Hello, Internet, and welcome to another episode of Geek Fanthology. I am based on a story by Neil Cordray, and I am joined today by... Michael. Based on the one true Ben. The only actual published author at the table. And... <laughs> okay. Um, and today we are going to pick up kind of where we left off last week, uh, which is we're going to be talking about... Um, the book was better. Yes, the book was better. Uh, we're going to be talking about adaptations of... Uh, of literature to fine well, literature? not necessarily fine literature. Some of it's going to be uh, some of it is completely pulp. But in either case, <laughs> of, to movies. of written of written works <laughs> to movies. But first, uh, I get to ask everyone else. So, what are you drinking tonight? Mead. Indeed. What are we drinking tonight? Mead. Yeah, I got some damn good mead. Viking blood mead. If anybody listens to this and wants to like send me a present. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it ain't cheap. It's not yeah. actually. Send the bottle to me. I'll make sure it gets to Neil. Compare. <laughs> I, I will say this actually no, though. The Com- compared to compared to some of the other things that I have on I have in my bar, it is cheap. That kind of makes me sad when I think about it. Like my absinthe was a sixty dollar bottle. My. My scotch is a is a ninety dollar bottle. It's a reason <laughs> I only. But this is mead. Yeah. It's a twenty five dollar bottle. That's really damn good stuff. Well, if it lasts you, it's you know yeah. not that expensive relatively. Well, see, th- this is mead. This is not made to be drank in moderation. Yes, true. <laughs> in any in any case, though, drinking mead um, this is definitely the damn best mead I've ever had. Mm. You're welcome. Yes, you mean. Well, I bought it before I even found out it was the stuff you buy. In any case, that's enough. Uh, that's enough. Two minutes about about booze. Um, <laughs> Keep booze. We need to do. Well, it's often the fuel of authors, though, so it's somewhat get, relevant. I need to get the guys from Mojo uh, Brothers uh, here. Get some of the Mojo Brothers to come down. And we can talk about uh, about um, drinking and, and yeah. geeking. Oh yeah, that could be an interesting episode. It's an episode I'm not sure that my liver will appreciate in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) Your liver will appreciate it. It'll hate you for it, but it'll appreciate it. Uh, Okay, so, um, to get back on track, movies based off of books. Um, We are going to try and limit this to actual, uh, largely uh, just word media. media. We're we're going to try and skip uh, comic books, for the most part, because... Uh, we've done a lot of that already in Marvel and DC. Uh, we're also going to try to limit ourselves to mostly theatrical releases, although some things are worth mentioning despite the fact they were made to t- made for TV. So those are our rules that we will break immediately. Um, <coughs> Netflix! <laughs> Does Netflix count? Series of Unfortunate Events. <laughs> but that's not a movie. Has it, is that out yet? It's a series. It's gonna be it's out. It's a series that'll be out in January. Kind of looking. I, I was looking forward to. It. I like the books. Um, uh, I would say if it's an actual movie that happened to be released for Netflix, then that should count because they have pretty good budgets these yeah. days. But yeah. Series of unfortunate events is actually being done as a series. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That one would not fit the bill. Series of books. Yeah. <clears throat> so anyhow, um, so I think I I think we promised last week to spend a little bit of time talking about. Uh, about the first one I'm going to bring up today, which is Starship Troopers. Yeah. Right. So much to be said about that one. There's a lot to be said. <laughs> I will say this. Um, one of these days, I really will record and put out episodes, mostly actually when we can't get around to record, 
uh, my favorite books and my favorite games and my favorite anime and my favorite movies, etc. Starship Troopers is one of my favorite books. Um, if it weren't for the whole um, potentially dying thing, it would have convinced me to join the military. It did pretty much convince me to join the military. Um, the military has a horrible respawn rate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shit respawn rate. But um, it, it, it really drums up a lot of a, a lot of patriotism. Yeah. Well, and the, the idea, I think, the, the premise that he lays out early in the book, um, you know, that basically you have to earn voting citizenship, full citizenship, um, is, especially to when I read it in high school. Uh, back when we were still reading on stone pages. Your tablets were of the stone variety. Right? <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. I wasn't going to make an age joke because at this point, you make them for us. Right? <laughs> I know, they make themselves. Um, but yeah, when I first re- read it, uh, on paper, because that's all we had. Um, Papyrus. But <laughs> close enough. Yeah. And uh, you know, when I first read it in high school, it was you know the whole concept of, yeah, I earned my citizenship. Um because it does, it does focus on the idea of, you know, you didn't just show up and get voting rights for turning eighteen. Mm. I think another interesting concept is uh, how that tying into the real world is how often I will see uh, and hear from people that have immigrated to America how they will value the freedoms and oh, yeah. opportunities much more than someone who is born here and yeah. then just kind of takes it for granted. And it's like someone, it's like, oh, you just happen to be born in America. Okay, you're a citizen. And then you have someone that immigrates from, say, England or Ireland or, you know, wherever. Some I mean, third Argentina, shit. anywhere, really. <laughs> you mean uh, Wales? <laughs> I'm sorry, all of our Welsh listeners. That was, well, that was Wales too- is like civilization, man. <laughs> uh, but, you know, like Mexico. I, I lived in South Texas. Uh-huh. We had a lot of people from Mexico and Vietnam. Yeah. And you will talk about a bunch of people that would work their asses off. For the freedoms that they had, right? You know, um, it, it was it was kind of you because know, to them, yeah, they they did actually have to literally earn their citizenship. Yeah, well, that ties into the military thing as well because you you have a lot of interesting stories of people that um, immigrated to America and then a war broke out not too long after they immigrated here and they were some of the first ones to sign up because they believed so strongly in the ideals mm-hmm. of the country. Oh yeah. And, and being in the military is something that, that uh, Highland kind of glosses over, uh, even as he makes a point of it. Um, he doesn't make the actual literal point of it, but in one of our, uh, you know, in, in early on in boot camp, one of the things we had to come to the realization of is that when you are in the military, you do not have the same rights as a regular citizen. Um, your justice, handled by the military, um, by and large, unless they decide to just throw your ass to the wolves, um, your you know your rights to speak freely completely curtailed. Right. Um, you know what you wear yeah. on a day to day basis. Where are you wearing? When you right. say permission to speak freely, if they say denied, you shut the hell up. Exactly. <laughs> you shut. Yeah. Your teeth. Your teeth are welded together at that point. <laughs> um, I mean, aside from bearing arms, there's not a whole lot that you <laughs> that sticks. Well, yeah, I mean, well, even even that is, is limited. Uh, on, right. on a military base, there are, you know, back in the 80s, uh, there were only two groups of people who were armed, and that was the SPs, the military police, and the, or the security police, and the MPs, the military police. And boy, were they armed. 
Um, I could not even carry my own personal firearm. I could not have that in my possession while I lived in base uh, in you know base dormitory. It belonged. It was in the armory. So it goes back to the theme of basically um, sacrificing, at least for a time, assuming you don't get killed in the process, yep. uh, right. your rights so that others can enjoy theirs. So we all like the book. Yeah, yeah. great book. So the movie! <laughs> now see, the movie actually, I think, stayed kind of close to that. Um, I enjoyed the movie. As someone who never read the book, mm-hmm. I enjoyed the movie for what it was. Right. Yeah, I, you know, it wasn't bad, but it missed the point of the book. And I will say this. I also did not read the book until long after watching the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And by the way, just kind of a random thing. I In my neighborhood, there was a um, there was a garage sale. And uh, it was a late enough printing that it was like, um, it was like, oh, hey, like, this it's is a movie, movie now. And right. it had like an image from the movie. And I'm like, I'll be darned. I've been meaning to read this. And read, when I, I, I picked it up, I could not put that thing down. Oh, yeah. It's a, I, w- I read it in like a day or two. I was yeah. just like, this is extremely compelling. And it, it, it did a good job. I, it's hard to put my finger on the specifics of how he accomplishes it. But it makes you feel like you're right there. Like you're in the unit. Like Mm -hmm. you just immediately identify with the characters so much. And, um, it's just really well written. And yet the movie misses the point. Well, I I actually, my, I will frequently argue the movie doesn't miss the point. It ignores the point. Yeah. I think think that's more accurate. I think it's not so much ignores the point as it satirizes it. Mm -hmm. Because it leaves out, I think an important scene, um, in his civics class with uh, with his history teacher who, mm-hmm. you know, says, you know, here, you've, you know, you have first place in the 200-yard dash. And in the book, he's like, you know, you know I won third place. He says, exactly. And you hate the idea of being given something you did not earn. Um, which, that was in the, what, 60s or 70s. Um, now, um, you know, the, the, the lampoon is of participation trophies. Which is stupid and something we should not get into too hard. Right. Well, I mean, it's just the idea that, oh, everybody gets a trophy just for showing up and they don't have to do anything. But the point being is is that... Well, that's, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a larger, it's a, it's a concise... Uh, reference to make a larger point about people just not, you know, earning things or taking them for granted or, or whatever. Or, or it's a bit of a worn-out meme. Yeah. I will, but, I will but, the movie but. shoots itself kind of as just wartime propaganda. Exactly, right, exactly. Right. And I think that was the point that the um, um, uh, that the movie was trying to make is that, because remember, that was made in the, what, mid-2000s? Sometime. Okay. The uh, movie? Oh, no, the movie was like 98 Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would check, but my phone is on here, the here's a little uh, here's a little time capsule thing for you. <laughs> on the soundtrack, uh, Blur had that woohoo song, the song two that was like huge. So oh, song yeah. two. <laughs> yeah, it was basically so, gibberish, but you know. But you know that was in that was after the that was in, in, even in the nineties. Anytime after ninety one, with the invasion of Iraq. Mm-hmm. When we started this whole hypernationalism, um, which okay, there are certain parts of that I really, really having a Vietnam vet for a dad, I was really pleased to see people going. You know, let's support our vets. 
you know, we may not agree with the government, but hey, these guys coming back in uniform. <clears throat> well, the first the first Gulf War them. was a UN action, so I think simplifying it to hyper nationalism is a is a well, bit unfair. Well, it's not so much that. I mean, it's not. We we started on the road t- toward hyper nationalism. That you know, <clears throat> because we finally had an enemy that we could that we could get behind, that we could all go, damn that Saddam Hussein, because you know the the first Gulf War. You know, I was all behind that. I, you know, of course, I just recently got out, got out of the air, out of the air force, but we started believing in our troops. Uh-huh. Uh, we started believing that we were that we had a, a destiny as a nation. Well, I think, and I, I think, think you, I think first Gulf War, I was two. <laughs> People, uh, I think um, a, a positive aspect of that, which is a fairly apolitical point, is at that point, um, people were being more respectful and showing them common decency, regardless of what people thought of a particular yeah. conflict. You had people being spat on when they got home from Vietnam. And it's not like exactly. it's not like they said, it's not like the, the troops that served were like, hey, let's, let's go, go to war. Yeah. No, it was, I, it was I, politicians. I will point out, I have been... Very much against pretty much all of our uh, all of our military uh, to, to to be as lightly political as I want to allow this podcast to get. Um, I have been very much against pretty much all of our military engagements in the last in, in the last uh, seventeen years or so. Uh, I think they have been mostly frivolous and needless and and, and based off of misinformation about budget and about a billion other things. And this is basically but, how start this is Starship Troopers in a nutshell. Yeah, but just by discussing it, we get into all this. Yeah, yeah. but. <laughs> I will say this: <clears throat> It is not the fault of the soldiers who went to that, who went and fought in that war, mm-hmm. that the war ex- and, and and I'm not just saying that because my uncle actually served in Afghanistan. Uh, he was a, he was a private contractor, um, but still, still yeah. that's part um, of the sacrifice of being in the military. You don't choose yeah, where you go. He had yeah. no, and, and 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 the soldiers had no freaking choice. So um, yeah, the, so support our troops. Yeah. And so that was that. Uh. <laughs> we had gotten behind that with the first Gulf War. Yeah. Then out comes, and then out comes, and this is one of the things I did not like about it, was that it kind of poked at the idea that we were supporting our troops uh, by presenting the movie itself as propaganda. Now, it differs widely because it's not armored infantry. Yeah. Whereas in the book it is. Yeah, the freaking... I'd yeah, say, mobile uh, infantry, yeah, uh, armor. Not so much. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. As much as now that armor has been used in just about everything since yeah. Starship Troopers. Yes, <laughs> I think it's one of the most reused props at like <laughs> ever. ever. I was yeah. just looking on IMDb. It actually got an award for costumes, and yeah. it got nominated for an Oscar for effects. I actually really like the design of the bugs. Um, yeah, the, the bugs were amazing. They're great job. The, the uniforms. Were good outside of the outside of that body armor they were wearing. Mm-hmm. The uniforms were good. The mm-hmm. helmets were good. The weapons were good. You know, it was it was well done to that point. Um, the little bits in between. You know, the only good bug is a dead bug. You know that that kind of thing. <laughs> My personal favorite was. Uh... Mobile infantry made me the man I am today, and he has like one limb left. The rest are cybernetic or yeah. whatever. Yeah, <laughs> and he's just like, oh, I'm rethinking this, but it's too late now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, another huge difference between the book and the movie um, is um, there is an entire 
uh, there's a whole other alien race involved in the conflict. And the it was skinnies, yeah. The skinnies, the as they called them. I forgot the official name, but yeah. that was the, you know, the, the nickname. Yeah, they just get completely written out of the story. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it, 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 that uses one of the best psychological warfare. I'm a 20-second bomb. <laughs> I'm a 20-second bomb. 19, 18. <laughs> I was just like, oh my God, that's amazing. I need one. <laughs> but yeah, it, it was just uh, the skinnies. Yeah, and that was kind of like collaborating. Well, I bring that up because I feel like, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, given the tone and how they decided to go with the movie, I, I understand why they didn't <laughs> even address that. But it, it just it illustrates how different the movie and the book were because in yeah. the book you had see a, a big part of it. Another theme was like conflict because of a lack of communication, whereas like the skinnies uh, or, you know, I it's been a while, so I don't remember the exact specifics of the political situation in the book, but. Uh, it was either that or it was just, okay, well, common enemy time. Kind of like with World War II where this, you know, we, the Soviet Union were part of the Axis and then, you know, they became Our allied allies. when Hitler betrayed them and all that. So you have a similar thing going on. Um, well, it's not like they, were, they weren't allied with the bugs, yes. but they were enemies of us. And we were fighting the bugs and fighting the skinnies and it was a cluster and we had no idea if we were going to even survive. But then there was a time, there was some turning point where the bugs were messing with the skinnies and so somehow some way the skinnies allied with the humans and they were both yeah. uh, taking the fight to the bugs and that's kind of how the book ends if I recall correctly and, yeah with, um, with him with, with Rico uh, taking charge of the roughnecks right, and, yeah. and, yeah. and uh, attacking Klendathu again. yeah Klendathu and of the homeworld of the bugs yeah. talking yeah. about talking about you know uh, uh, the lieutenant the, the lieutenant says his new legs are working great because <laughs> Rochek actually survives in the book. Yeah. Um, just, you know, loses his legs. Yep. Um, but there's another thing in there. Well, no, no. Rochek dies. Uh, jelly. Uh, Was it Jelly? Yeah. Rochek dies um, and is dead by the third, uh, by the third chapter. Um, and Jelly has taken over um, and has, and, and they come to him and say, you know, we, we want to rename the unit, you know, Jelly's Jaguars. And he said, and who you know who's the vote? And he says, "Well, it's unanimous, sir. I see. So, hundred eyes, one nay. The nays have it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because yeah, Rachek died in uh, making pickup on an unnamed yeah uh, M- uh, MI. But um, more importantly, it became Rico's roughnecks after that. Yeah, it became yeah. Rico's roughnecks after um, at the end of the thing. Which yeah. Um, yeah. But one thing that they did was I and I, I liked. Because there was that brutal honesty to the recruiting. Because you see the recruiter out there with yeah. no one legs eye. Yeah. and yeah. one arm. One arm, one eye. Yeah. Yeah, so and I then, forgot he had an eye patch. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then later on, Rico runs into the recruiter. Off base. And he's got a cyber eye and yeah. full prosthetic. And, 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 and like, he looks completely normal. Yeah. And he's... And, and, Hot damn! You joined. Thanks, son. <laughs> yeah. Well, but the the idea is that yeah, these are the risks. Yeah. You know, um, you will know what you are getting into before you do it. Yeah, exactly. They give you every single opportunity to give up, which is exactly the opposite of real military experience. Yeah. The recruit, your recruit lies. Join the, the military. It's fun. <laughs> you get a free gun with every purchase. Adventure. <laughs> There was a great episode of NCIS <laughs> where a guy was 
basically killing recruiters with a sniper rifle. Um, and the recruiter... Man, we are getting off topic. Well, it's... it's, it's, it's a little semi-off topic. The recruiter talks about, you know, well, you know, by the time you get there, you probably won't be able to get into the... You know, most of the combat will be done. Uh, so, you know, I'm sorry to disappoint you about that. Like, you know... That not being not being in combat is a is a, a sad thing, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and but the first thing I heard on getting off the bus in you know in San Antonio was, "We got one thing to tell you: your goddamn recruiter lied." And <laughs> <laughs> like, oh. But you know, they <clears throat> by the same token. Uh, Starship Troopers, mm-hmm. Heinlein makes a point of brutal honesty. Yep. To the point of more brutal than the truth. Because, yeah, you may lose limbs, but hey, you got full medical. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, prosthetic limbs, state of the art, you know, in the way, yeah. in the way he sets society up. Yeah, the military has taken, yeah, the military is taken care of. Um, and, sorry, a, a thing that I wanted to point out, we want to talk about um, me, uh in this case, it's another book where uh, war is completely predicated on complete misunderstandings. I highly recommend the book um, by Joe Haldeman, uh, The Forever War, uh, which is a really interesting, uh, which is a really, really interesting book because people use, uh, because it's a war that's fought over a couple millennia because you're using FTL uh, drives that cause time dilation and there's a border skirmish, and then like a thousand years later, there's another, there's there's a thing, and so just then never a thousand, and then by about the time they get back to base, everyone's finally realized, wait a second, <laughs> it's a complete misunderstanding. Right. <laughs> Actually, another good one, um, based on a short story. In time of war, enemy mine. I love it. <laughs> Oh, it was, and it was as true to the book as you could get. Um, it was with Louis Gossett Jr. playing the alien. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, it was, it was a, it was almost the exact flip opposite of of Starship Troopers, because it was about understanding your enemy and that they are, they are as relatable as you are. You met the you met the enemy, and they are us. Well, the thing is, is that the the uh, the, the way that it goes, um, we come out looking like barbarians compared compared to the to the uh, people they fight. Because he talks about you know who was your mother, who was your father, you know um, what is your lineage, um, you know. And he's like, well, my mother was you know was Suzanne. She was a good cook. My father was you know was Robert. He was this, and then Samus. Uh, no, Samus was the son. Uh, his the the alien goes back to this lineage, five names, thousands of thousands of carriers of each name, um, and you know it's just like going, holy god! You know these people know their genealogy back generation after generation after generation. Mm-hmm. Um, and know the history of each person who bore those five names. And in the end of it, um, the human protagonist has to take the sun uh, because the lizard people are, the people on the right that they're fighting 
are um, uh, not androgynous. Hermaphroditic. Hermaphroditic. That's the word. Uh, the the other character is pregnant. Has to take his the the son back to their world and recite the family lineage so that Zamas can be added to it. Which wasn't at all in his little in the movie anyway in his little steel book that he had as a necklace. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but he still had to memorize yeah. and recite it. Jerry was what he, he called the alien. His name was Jeraba. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, um, basically, Starship Troopers. Uh, if really you want good. interesting, uh, yeah. more nuanced stuff like that, read the book. And the movie's <laughs> not. And the movie is not bad. The mo- I'm not. I'm not knocking the movie. It's just as an adap- as adaptations go, it was completely weird. Yeah, it um, a lot. Of I would like now to get us off of our uh, our sci-fi uh, war, war movies. movies kick (laughs) and talk about my other favorite book and its adaptation that i absolutely love both of and that is watership down yeah and see i have never read the book or seen the entire movie neither have i so i'm accusing myself well (laughs) neil wax poetic um (laughs) it's been such a long time since i've seen the movie too watership down is my favorite book um part of that is nostalgia based um when when i was growing up um, one of one of my fondest memories actually is, is my dad reading Watership Down to me uh, every night before bed. Um, so yes, a lot of this is is just based off of you know my daddy read the book to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that I am older, I will also say yes, I totally get some of the criticisms of misogyny, etc. I don't really think that Adams intended them. He was writing a book about rabbits, and I think he just got caught up in that. Well, and sometimes when you're being true to source material, yeah, you're going to, you're going to you have to leave the warts and the you know, warts at all. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think people people get into this trap of oh, well, it's 2016, and we're going to apply our current yeah. cultural societal yeah. standards to something that was released in like yeah. 1960, 1970, this, yeah, 1950, this, 1930. This yeah, yeah, this entire group of male <laughs> rabbits, they go and wage war against another uh, group of rabbits for because they have no women. But really, it's not because they have no women, it's because without... Uh, it's, it's, it is not a war for the women, to, to steal the women. It is a war for the survival of, of the colony, um, which happens to equate to, we have no breeding pairs. Right. Which uh, movie... The old animated one that, that okay, John Hurt did one of the voices. I uh, probably because there's there one in '78, one in '99, and I think they're doing a new one. '78. Yeah. It's the one that traumatized a lot of children because it featured rabbits killing each other brutally. Yeah, that's yeah. I got to the first. I was like, <coughs> okay, I'm done with this. Happy um, Tree Friends. Yeah. Well, no, um, Happy <laughs> Tree Friends is cartoonish violence. <laughs> Uh, Watership Town was a cartoon, yeah, but the really violence true. was very real. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and it was... You know, mm. it's, a, it's a weird combination. Yeah. Uh, there's a new movie of it being made. Huh. Cool. I'll probably go see it. Um, I love the book. I would I would absolutely lend my copy to anyone here. It's worth reading. Um, if for another, no other reason than the Richard Adams's um, description of the... The Secret Life of Rabbits is just amazing. Um, 
and I love the I, I love the adaptation. Um, just go into it uh, since, since since no one else has seen this or read the book. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna keep this a little brief. It it's really good, but you have to keep in mind that it's realistic and it's you know not everyone makes it. Don't be fooled by the cute bunnies. Basically. Yeah, don't be fooled <laughs> by the fact that the protagonists are all rabbits. Yeah, it's. I, I was yeah. sold when I saw that John Hurt did one of the voices. Yeah, right. Uh, did it say which voice he was? I didn't look. But I still have it. Now I want to know. <laughs> I didn't quickly look. to the internet. I didn't look because I didn't know character names, so it didn't matter to me. Right. I would guess he either played Hazel, uh, Hazel, or Flaley uh, slash Bigwig. You know, you know, you know the movie too well when you uh, when Hazel. You, he plays Hazel. Damn, that's just grand. But yeah, I mean, and for Christ's sake, um, the the cover is one that should give you pause because it's about it looks like a black rabbit that's screaming in pain because it has a snare around its neck. <laughs> well, that's interesting. So moving uh, on from dead bunnies. Speaking of <laughs> speaking of brutal honesty, right? <laughs> okay, you know what you're getting into. So yeah, so you know, Skrull must still. Was, oh god damn! I need to see this movie again. Uh, so you know, when, when we get to, when we get to sheer number and volume, um, like we talked about earlier, Shakespeare holds the record over a thousand writing credits on IMDb. <laughs> yeah, uh, over eleven hundred actually. Um, of living authors, Stephen King. Um, takes first place, although he is in fifth place behind, uh, like, Agatha Christie and, and other uh, Dickens. Dickens. You know, that. And I, I, my guess would be that, uh, what's his name? Um, Doyle's probably up there, too. I, I don't really I wouldn't think I wouldn't think he's, if he's necessarily above uh, King, but I would guess that Sir Arthur Conan Doyle is up there. Well, um, it's because everybody loves Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes. Well, there's been Sherlock a lot Holmes. of those movies. Yeah. Yes, there have. <clears throat> now, some of them were even good. Yeah. And, and then, okay, and then hitting high in the was it good um, or having a powerful impact is one of my favorite authors, uh, and that's Philip K. Dick. Um, oh, which one are we talking about first? Oh, God, there's a list. Um, <laughs> speaking of, what well, I did not know until I looked this up, HBO's Man in the High Castle. Or HBO. That's, Amazon. that's, that's Amazon. Dick? That's Dick. That was done in 1962. Oh, wow. I get to now make this pun <laughs> that I figured I was going to make at some point, but apparently I don't, I don't know, know Dick. Dick. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, I knew when we were going to talk about Philip K. Dick, I was going to be able to make that pun at some point. Somehow. Either it was me or you or someone. Yeah, you didn't know you were going to be able to make that bad early, did you? So that'll be more fodder for the uh, TV series. Yeah. Episode. Yeah. Uh, which I've, I've, I have not actually watched any of Man of High Castle, Castle yet. But I was sold on it by, uh, some, by a trailer I saw for, I think, the second time I went and saw... Uh, Doctor Strange, they did the fathom, uh, you know, mm-hmm. you know what's happening the on pre-show. stage and screen. Yeah, the pre-show yeah. had this big thing on Man in the High Castle. I was like, damn, this looks good. Oh yeah, I'm big. I'm big into alt history too. So yeah, yeah. I I've seen the first like two or three episodes of it, and it is good. Right. 
Now, here's, here's the thing. Is, mm-hmm. and, and one of the things I'm going to bring up here is when the original story was written compared to when it was adapted. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can remember it for you wholesale. It was done 1966, turned into two Total Recall movies. Mm-hmm. With, um, um, and then Adjustment Team, mm-hmm. 1954, turned into the Adjustment Bureau in 2011. Oh, may, may I quickly make a quick uh, side story about Total Recall? Okay. Just very quick. Um, my friend Richard was in a... Uh, hi, Richard. Um, we know you're listening. My friend Richard w- was in a short story uh, class in college, or something. You know, it was some English class, and they were re- reading We Can Remember It For You Wholesale. And he was reading along, reading along, he got about halfway, and he was like, wait a second, is this Total Recall? <laughs> right? Holy shit. That would blow uh, my mind. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, the movie Screamers was based on Second Variety, done in 1953. Um, there was... Um, the Golden Man, done in 1954, that turned into Next in 2007, which wow. I haven't seen. Yeah. So nice. many things I didn't realize were adaptations. Is that adaptations. the Nicolas Cage movie? Um, yes, it is. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Where he yeah. sees premonitions of, like, yeah. a scanner dark something like that. Uh, that was an interesting Really? That was a trippy Yeah, movie. 1977. Wow. To, like, what, 2008? 2006, 29 years later. No. That was um, fun to watch. Scanner Darkly is a really fun movie. Paycheck. I, 1953. Yeah, let's just ignore that one. <laughs> I like Do androids dream of electric, electric sheep? sheep. Yeah. A.K.A. Blade Runner. 1968. Yeah. Blade Runner. Um, Blade Runner 2049. So let me just uh, take a moment here and ask, has anyone actually read Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? I, I read part of it. I read about it. halfway through. I did read We'll Remember It, we remember it For You Wholesale because um, I ended up taking the same class. Yeah. I just can't remember which one it was at this point. I'm going to have to read that one of these days because I've all... But I went in I knowing it was Total Recall. And I love Blade yeah. Runner, so it'd yeah. be interesting to see how it compares. Uh, not, not a... I hear it's pretty different. Way it's different. more inspired by than based on. Yeah. 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 Key, key phrasing is, there. Decker is married. Yeah. Um, and actually does have an electric sheep. Um, well, what, woman, <laughs> what woman wants to see a Harrison Ford movie where he's married? She's not available. And has an electric sheep. Yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah. That just begs disturbing questions. Based on a story, based on a true story. Right. <laughs> um, and then Minority Report. Yep. Yeah. In Yeah, I knew oh, that one was Phil, based on a book. Philip K. Dick was really, uh, he was kind of a visionary. Oh, he yeah. Was, he was. was. Definitely. I mean, that's most of them there. I mean, yeah. there was Radio Free Alphabet. Um, Blade Runner is getting a sequel within the next couple of years. Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Well, yeah. also you know Blade Runner has had how many thousand remakes? Um, <laughs> well, not remakes. I'm sorry, well, director's cuts. Yeah, yeah. Recuts, uh, different ultimate cuts. director's cut. Yeah. Ultimate secret of director's <clears throat> cut. We actually we actually uh, did a seance to <laughs> to contact Kubrick just to find. Right. I got yeah, the Blu-ray the recently that, with all the different cuts. When, when you get a, a Philip K. Dick yeah. novel done in science fiction. Yeah, visionary is the word that comes to mind. They all are. Yeah. I always felt bad as a sci-fi fan having never seen Blade Runner up until I corrected that horrible mistake in my life about two years ago. I've actually never seen it all the way through. Uh, I, well, we're adding I, this yeah, to, the, yeah. to the movie. I think day, this then. is going on the movie <laughs> Yeah. Um, but is the question is which cut? Um, uh, so far, it's four movies. 
John Wick, Buckaroo Banzai, Blade Runner, and... Um, uh, Seven Samurai? Seven Samurai. Oh, yeah, Seven Samurai. Yep. Totally freaking worth it. Yeah, it's gonna not, this is going to end up not being just a movie day. Yeah. day. It's going to be like a movie weekend. Yeah. It'll, be, it'll be a couple of yeah, separate so days. If we're going to watch weekend. Blade Runner, might as well just watch <laughs> the latest. Version. Now, this is an important question, Wookie. Did you watch the one with or without the voiceover? I don't. It was the latest director's cut. Then it was without. Although I'd like to point out... Um, as great as Blade Runner is, you know, because I have seen all of Blade Runner, I've just never seen it continuously and without yeah. television and without commercial interruption. Um, as good as it is, can we please stop making all of our all of our future cities the city from Blade Runner? <laughs> please. Yeah. Although I gotta say, I like the, I like the city. From I mean, the city Red. from Blade Runner is good, but well, in what way do you mean? Like the just the aesthetics of it. Yeah, the aesthetic, and like it's all super high rise. It's always kind of rainy. There's a lot of neon. It's like and somewhere in the background, there's there's a synthesizer that sounds like it was, <laughs> like it was the the illegitimate love child of a sax and an or, and a piano. Yeah, <laughs> you know. I mean, yeah. Well, think and, about when these movies were made. and they were all <laughs> everybody speaks Japanese or Chinese. The Chinese, yeah. yeah some Sino, uh, some Sino, uh but then, but then you got by the same token, you got um, the version from uh, Dread. Well, a lot of I think a lot of that had to do with the the uh, the anxiety, the economic anxiety of oh yeah. oh the Asians are kicking our ass in the market. Oh right. well, in the future everything's going to be Asian based because we're getting our ass kicked. In no, this. in the future everything <laughs> is going to probably be be, be uh, polylinguistic or in a, in a, yeah. an amalgam of Western yeah. and the Asian city civilization. In, like the city Five Dread right was basically just a big metropolis. Or, well, yeah. it was a mega city. Yeah, <clears throat> and it had the and it had those like eight hundred story tall towers. Yeah, you know, and you could walls. tell which part of town was newer as opposed to which part was part of the original town. Yeah, but I will say sure. this: <laughs> I, we're we're not going to talk too much, but uh, the new Dread, really good adaptation of the comic books. Oh yeah, yes, oh, uh, yes. excellent. And that's all we should. That's say. all we should say because it's a comic book. Go so, see yeah, it. That's all you need to know. Similar yeah. to uh, Watchmen and V for Vendetta. Yeah, both. All, all, yeah, both um, comic books. All so the, some, some of the best um, upper lip to bottom of chin acting I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Best, best jaw and jaw yeah. acting yes. I've ever seen. Compelling jaw work. Although V for yeah. Vendetta paints V very much in too positive light. But that's, all, but that's yeah. also a one we should really <laughs> yes, say. Yeah, that's one where we never see the actor's face. Yeah. Which I was really in, you know, uh, I really liked Hugo Weaving's decision. Yeah, to, I, I think that was, with that. that was good. Yeah. Um, but um, it's actually... Uh, yeah, after stream or after the podcast, we'll talk about that. Another, another yeah. book, book two. I originally had uh, put this to Phil K. Dick, but I knew I was wrong. Um, How dare you? Running Man, Stephen King. Running Man, Stephen really? King. Really? That's King. That's, that's King. so weird. I could have swore I, that's. It really would, feels like a Philip K. Dick. It really. I, it apparently, really, I don't know King either. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, you are not the king of truth. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a numbers game. He's written so many things that they're going to yeah. be a well, few that and, don't. And then I can also get into a couple, a couple more of my favorite uh, adaptations, which are both King adaptations. Um, my third favorite movie um, is The Shawshank Redemption. Which not everyone is aware. Yeah, that is based off of a short story written by Stephen King called um, "Shoot Now uh, Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption." Mm-hmm. Um, I think that needs to be added to the movie list because I haven't seen. Shawshank. Oh, you oh haven't seen Shawshank? Oh my god, that's almost that's <laughs> or almost the Shining. 
Shame. No shame. Either either. You know, um, I could actually really take or leave The Shining. Yeah. I, I, I um, thought it was pretty good. But, but I, I can't believe I you haven't seen Shawshank. That's like, that's like missing out on Buckaroo Banzai. Well, I missed um, out on it. I don't know. Buckaroo Banzai was never obscure, nominated for, for Best Picture. But it's still, it's one of those cultural things. When you when you watch the movie and, you know, it's it's that good. Well, I think the difference is that is not yeah. pop culture. Yeah, yeah. well, but, uh, well it has obscure. mass, yeah, uh, Buckaroo Banzai is subculture, whereas, um, yeah, Shawshank has definitely influenced the popular culture. The, the reason oh, yeah. Morgan Freeman nor- na- narrates everything is because of the Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I I know enough of it that I understand references to it yeah. because it is so influential in our yeah. culture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's another King of Green Mile. Uh, right. Yeah, the Green Mile's my uncle. I love Green Mile. Yeah. That's a great movie. That one that one showed just how flexible how what kind of range Michael Clark Duncan has. Yeah. Oh, he, well had, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Well, one, yeah, another it, one taken too early. Yes. Yeah. Um, Did anyone has anyone read that book, The Green Mile? Yeah. Um, I have. Not, I don't read much King. Yeah. Yeah. Neither um, do I. Because, well, um, aren't his books like really thick? <laughs> they're they're thick and they're why, kind of dry. That's why the stand yeah. had to be uh, had to be made into a miniseries. Nobody wanted to watch uh. a freaking movie. <laughs> Shawshank Redemption got robbed at the Oscars. The only reason it didn't win was because uh, freaking uh, Forrest Gump came out the same year. <laughs> yeah, when you're, and when you're competing with Tom Hanks, you, you need, you know, Morgan Freeman versus you know, Tom Hanks. God, you know. Well, you now, nowadays, it would actually be a tough decision between the two. Yeah. Uh, well, even then, I assume Freeman probably... wasn't as big of a name. Yeah. But he was still as good an actor. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Morgan Freeman, even before Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, he's wow. always been a good actor. Yeah, he was, I mean... He's, he's a big the, part of why I love Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Yeah, he was the saving grace of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. <laughs> you know? And I like Kevin Costner, too. I just didn't like him in that movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like Kevin Costner, you know, I liked, except for in most of the movies he's in. I will point this out. I liked The Postman. I did like the postman. Yeah, everyone that. says the postman. You know, it's it's great if you can if you can stand the first four hours. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> actually, it's the first four hours that actually makes the postman. Yeah, it, it sets the world up. You know, and you know that that whole that whole uh, that whole uh, scene with him and um, the rock star. Uh, I don't see it, so I can't help. Oh, okay, <laughs> I heard it. Aren't you? Yes, yeah, you know, back back in the day, but man, you, you're famous. <laughs> of course, he's saying that to Kevin Costner, who at the time was play he was playing that series of heroes with no name. That's a very meta exchange, right there. Yeah, it really is. It really is. That's kind of like that scene in uh, Luke Cage. That's what I was you, just thinking. No, you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, you. Yeah, the method man. Uh, so missing Forrest Gump reminded me of Gary Sinise, which in turn reminded me of of Mice and Men. So quick mention on that. Yeah, that was yeah. technically a made for TV movie, but it was really it well really done. Good. I never. Um, yeah, and speaking of, of and very close to the classic yes, books, classic books uh, that were have been that everyone had to read in high school. Um, what? How was the adaptation of The Great Gatsby? Did anybody see it? I you know I actually did not have to read, read that in high school. I never read really? it, but I actually enjoyed the movie. Mm. 
I ended up. I don't know how close that was. Isn't that where they got the Leon, the Leonardo meme where he's holding the glass at you? Yeah. Well, like, no, Leonardo's been doing that in uh, in movies for a very long time. But that meme, though. But that specific from image. Yeah, that specific Gatsby. image is from Gatsby. Yes. Right, yeah. right. So, okay, going to that. Um, Homework for anyone listening to the podcast. Tell me if the, if the Great Gatsby was a good adaptation. <laughs> going to that. Uh, world according to Garp. You got me there. I have. Uh, I know nothing. I see nothing. <laughs> I don't know anything about that. I read the book, watched the movie. They were both bummers. Yeah. Which you know, but there were there was some different. You know, there were a few. Minor you mean a bummer like it was a depressing story, or a bummer like it was actually bad? Like the it was. It was, was a depressing story. Uh, you know, in that it was like it was a tragedy. I mean, all the way through, with yeah. you know a few high points in the middle. You know, but. It was still. It was Robin Williams displaying range. Robin Williams had so much range. Yeah, he did. He uh, just had such a just a. Yeah, you could put him in any role, I think, and he would he would figure out a way to do Good it. Good example of uh, his range is Insomnia. That is a creepy movie. Yeah, yeah. and one hour photo. Yeah, one hour. I was that was, a, that was just boring and terrible. It was boring, but his role in that though—he he, he was showed. great. Oh in yeah, photo. yeah, he was yeah. great. But it was a moot point because the entire yeah. movie was boring and dumb. Yeah, there was. But we were talking about his thing. range. But sure, yeah. sure. <laughs> um, you know, uh, also what dreams may come. What dreams may come yeah. is really good. Um, you know, which is or yeah. as bad as the movie was, and as much of a disservice as it was to the care to the actual real person, Patch Adams. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because um, which was I think based on his biography. Uh, no. Well, based on his biography is a very loose term. Yeah. The actual man inspired by the actual the actual <laughs> Patch Adams. I can't remember. You know the guy who his, his name they, they do call him Patch. Um, hates the movie because it is it's not accurate like at all. He yeah. never went to an insane asylum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Let alone checked himself out. He was fully medically licensed before he began practicing medicine. Um, yeah. <laughs> and they take, well, you know, they take a lot of. They took so many liberties that he actually yeah. felt like it was not accurate to him and, paint, and painted him in this silly, rebellious light that, well, no, I'm, yeah, I'm using, I'm using humor to help patients. But not like that. But I'm not a clown. Right? Yeah, exactly. But he was. But he still did well in the movie. Yeah. Oh. But um, was the other one? Was, uh, was Forrest Gump based on a novel? Probably. <laughs> I know Princess Bride was, and that was one of my oh, favorite Oh yeah. Ever. That was. Yeah, that was probably I have a rope here. I can throw it down to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just. <laughs> I think uh, The Princess Bride, uh, which brings us to another one, which we won't spend too much time on because it gets redundant, which is The Hobbit. Um, the connection I would like to make there is that I, f- I feel like that is a, that's a movie that is it's able to be so concise, yet just hit on all points, just constantly, like, it's just boom, 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 like, meeting the characters, the snappy dialogue, the story, like, everything about it just works. Yeah. You know, it's, such, think, it's really not, it, it's less than two hours long. Yeah, but it's but almost entirely out of the book, but... I never actually most, read the most book. of the fans who have read the book were still perfectly happy with the movie. Right. Yeah, I and um, and that's that's the thing. I, I think that has as much to do with based off the nineteen sixty eighty six novel of the same name, Force Gun. Right. Okay. Okay. So, but 
Also, if anyone really feels like watching Forrest Gump, it's apparently on E! all day on Thanksgiving. (laughs) (laughs) Because Google felt like telling me that, and I tried to share. But with Princess Bride, I think that that was the perfect storm. I mean, you got a cast of brilliant. You have, that's a different movie, <laughs> uh, which I think was also based on a book. Yes, it was. Uh, <laughs> Princess Bride, perfect, no, perfect storm. Perfect storm. Oh yeah. Okay. But yeah, um, the, the cast for Princess Bride. Yeah. Perfect. The chemistry perfect. is amazing. Yeah, their chemistry all across the board was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Buttercup and Wesley would actually fub their kissing scene so that they could redo it because they actually developed a relationship while filming. Yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, and then funny. you then you had um, um, uh, Robin uh, Robin Wright. Her she actually did really well with uh, um, Andre. Yeah, he was he was just so gentle with her. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and it was it was just she really liked him. And then hello, I mean, lady. <laughs> <laughs> hello, lady. Yeah, I'm trying not to let it go to my head. You know, but uh, <laughs> I just and then you have Rob Reiner directing it. Yeah, and I think his pacing and, and you know his pacing with the dialogue and everything was just so good. And then you have the music. Yeah, that's great. Mark oh, Doppler. I mean, with with those, oh man, it I'm just, gonna have to rewatch the Princess Bride. See, that was a, that's another reason why it reminds me of the Hobbit, uh, the, the book anyway, is um, <clears throat> because it's like set piece to set piece to set piece, yeah. and it's all just good. And it's, yeah. But it, it it covers so much while doing it so efficiently. Like, there's not really. Uh, I mean, I guess aside from the opening, like, oh, hey, this is a very elaborate birthday party. Let me tell you about it. There's not really a word wasted in The Hobbit. Like, it just goes from thing to thing, and it's like, you get a sense of this entire grandiose world, but it's a pretty concise book. And I yeah. think that's kind of how The Princess Bride felt to me as a movie, mm-hmm. which wouldn't surprise me to see, if I read the book, that it would be similar. And it's good to hear that the fans were so supportive, because what I get is, like, it may have not included every little thing, but it captured the spirit, yeah, the essence of what made the book special. From what I've been told uh, of the book is that, uh, what was the author's name? S. Morgenstern. That he, he was... <laughs> right, he was say it right. S. Morgenstern. <laughs> he was worse than Tolkien about description. Yeah. Uh, he's, uh, I know this is a, probably a bit of an exaggeration, but a lot of fans tell me that he would write like 10 pages of somebody packing a suitcase. Yeah. <laughs> I go back to Moby Dick. There's yeah. an entire chapter about a blanket, for God's sake. I yeah. found my. Uh, I, found, I found that one of my the, the quote that I was trying to think of for Princess Bride. By the way, if I might share, I don't suppose you could speed things up. If you're in such a hurry, you could lower a rope or a tree branch or find something useful to do. I could do that. I have some rope up here, but I don't think you would accept my help. See, since I'm only waiting around to kill you. That, that does put a damper in our relationship. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like that through the entire movie. The banter is just so great throughout the whole movie. But but then you go. You keep more. using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Speaking of memes. But you but you go you go a little further into that same conversation from previously. And you get the depth of the characters. You know, it's like I could right. give you my word as a Spaniard. Nope, no too many Spaniards. As a swordsman? Yeah. I, I swear on the sword of my father. Uh, what, uh, something my father. Yeah, yeah. You will reach the top of the line. Throw me the rope. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just like, suddenly that one thing, and you're going, oh my god. Well, I think that's why, why I was able to accomplish so much in a relatively short period of time, mm. because the dialogue was the exposition. Yeah. You didn't have yeah. a lot of boring exposition to then get into the and events. Like, as people are talking, doing their thing, you learn about the characters. Also, yeah. I saw... I saw um, Princess Bride had some special anniversary 
the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I saw this really great interview. They got all the old. They got like the whole cast together. It was a thirtieth, <laughs> I think. And they said that apparently uh, the scenes with Miracle Max took them like five days to shoot. Yeah, because no one could stop because laughing. nobody could stop <laughs> laughing at Billy Crystal. <laughs> uh, the scene we were just talking about with. Uh, the climbing the rope right after that that sword fight that they did yeah, yeah those two spent so much time perfecting that and all the stuff that they're talking about like you're using this defense of course that's why I'm going with this <laughs> give, yeah, that's the, all give real... the rocky terrain I thought it was appropriate yeah, yeah. it's yeah. all real <laughs> shit and then they actually it's... did their own stunts for it they made sure they could do all of it and it didn't look like typical sword fighting in older movies where it was just knocking swords back and forth in right. the same way over and over again they were doing full on right well, and, they, and they, they choreographed it themselves. Yeah. yeah. They, they they didn't have that plan. Well, another thing, too, is they had the long, steady shots. They didn't have this, yeah, like, yeah. oh, cut here, cut here, and you can't even see yeah. what's going on. Zoomed in so you can't see everything. It's like yeah. seizure-esque and, 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 action and the, scenes we see a lot now. Shaky cam. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and then the, the thing, like, you know, you're using Benetti's defense against me. There's no actual Benetti's defense. But Benetti was a sword right. instructor, yeah. you know. <laughs> You know, it was like a. And for such a great but also goofy movie, the attention to detail on things. Right. Like yeah. That. yeah. It was just amazing. And, and there's a reason why you saw um, the scene with him and Andre the Giant mostly from the waist up. Yeah. Because Andre's back was killing him and he couldn't actually support Carrie. So they had to support him somehow. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah. And so he wasn't actually. It, you know, they were actually supporting Wesley on his back. Huh. Um, and that's, you know, it just, it was a whole big, um, yeah. And it didn't take away from the scene at all either, because uh-uh. you wanted to be able to see his upper half anyway. You're right, that was really the part you were, you know, you were, you were concerned about. And they were having an intimate conversation during the fight, so you don't want to do it as a wide shot. <laughs> right. Exactly. You stuff from moves. fighting a group. <laughs> you do with just why should that make such a difference? <laughs> uh, we could. Uh, yeah, that's one we, we could talk about forever. We could. Uh, we yeah. could. There is yeah. one I, I would like to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Tolkien specifically, but more specifically, Lord of the Rings. I mean, I always I love the Hobbit. No matter what anyone says, I still love the Hobbit movies, but more specifically, Lord of the Rings. Um. Aside from Moby Dick, those were my first real novels, and they actually mm-hmm. were a big, other than some of the comics I read growing up, too, they yeah. were a big part of shaping who I am as a person. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, especially in regards to, um, Tolkien was really subtle about racism in Lord of the Rings, the whole thing between elves and dwarves, and there was no real reason behind it other than they're elves and dwarves. Yeah. And then the relationship developed between Gimli and Legolas. Right. Yeah, and uh, the movies, despite and there were a lot of changes, but I don't think it hurt the story in any way. Yeah. Stuff that they left out mm-hmm. didn't need to be in the movies, like yeah. Tom Bombadil. But they still had yeah. right. Treebeard sing one of his songs as a homage to for the people who actually did read the books. Yeah, right. Well, and, I mean, and a lot of the changes made sense. Yeah, and the thing I love Tom Bombadil, but he doesn't make any sense to be in the movie. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's his, his primary his primary use was was filled by uh, by um, Strider giving the yeah. hobbits the swords. Yeah. Uh, hey, hey, yeah. Dario, the old Tom Bombadil. <laughs> uh, part yeah. of his part of the point of him in the book was to show that there are people who can resist the ring but have no stake in 
yeah. what's going on. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and I always love the, 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 the mental picture I get with Tom Bombadil. Um, Sauron gets the ring back, and he comes cutting a swath, and then he gets to Tom Bombadil's hanging hang out. Tom Bombadil's just like, no, fuck off. <laughs> like all of more all of middle earth is all dark and you've got this one spot of land that's still fine happy all the orcs are asking why lord sauron why don't you no, i'm not going with no you don't <laughs> mess with tom bombadil his strong his songs are stronger songs yeah. <laughs> so like they the hear sauron with sauron jr all of this is yours Except for that bright spot, that bright over, spot there. over there. <laughs> we don't go there. Yeah, that's where Tom Bombadil lives. We don't go there. That's a rough neighborhood. <laughs> uh, uh, one of, there's like there's a couple of changes that uh, bugged me, but wasn't enough to hurt the movie to me. Like the only reason they had Arwen save Frodo was to give Liv Tyler more screen time. Yeah. In the yeah. book, the actual yeah. person in the book, Glorfindel, doesn't get any mention in the movie. Yeah. Well, in yeah. The Hobbit, they're like, oh, hey, that's that's for Legolas in there because, you know, women like them some more Lando well, Bloom and we'll sell more tickets. That actually had nothing to do with it. it was, Tolkien even said after he wrote The Hobbit and started writing Lord of the Rings, yeah. he had not planned on Lord of the Rings when he first wrote The Hobbit. So when he created the character of Legolas, he said, if I had known I was going to do this, Legolas would have been at the Battle of Five Armies because he is the son of Thranduil. Oh, okay. So there was actual logical yeah, reason yeah. for him to be yeah, around. Yeah, Legolas actually is, yeah, he's the son of Thranduil and comes right. from... Okay. Uh, it yeah. comes from Mirkwood. So it, well, it actually does that. make yeah. perfect sense that's, for that's him good. to be there. It's Toriel who had no business being in there. The only reason she was in the movie was because yeah. Jackson met her, really liked her, and said if he ever did another movie, that he would make a part for her. Yeah. And then his next movie ended up being The Hobbit. Yeah. Right. Um, so some other and you know, as much as I didn't like the forced, stupid little romantic thing. That was dumb. She did a fine job. As an oh, actress. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she did a great job. She was a badass in that movie. Yeah. 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 But um, in Lord of the Rings, some of the other minor things that kind of bugged me, like um, the door to Moria. The riddle was actually solved by Mary, I believe. As opposed, to Frodo. The, as opposed to Frodo. But yeah. um, I guess Jackson felt that since Frodo is supposed to be the hero, even though he's one of the most useless people in the story, Frodo right. does nothing. Frodo yeah. gets carried. Sometimes quite literally throughout the yeah, entire. That's kind of the room. elephant in the room, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it makes him seem completely useless, but he still bore the ring. Yeah, yeah. And that, well, yeah. that in and of itself right. is a burden that you know. And he wore it, and, or had it on, otherwise on him more than Bilbo ever did. Right. Right. And he was, and he was the, he was kind of like the the uh, the lead line container that you're taking. Plutonium two thirty five. Yeah. Yeah. He was. Uh, you have know. you seen Gimli destroys the ring? By the way, if not, we should cue YouTube it up. video. Yeah. Yes, I have. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> it must be destroyed. So he just what are we waiting for? And the tower collapses. <laughs> what the fuck? That was easy. <laughs> yeah, and then and then cut to everyone be like, oh. yeah. So right. I remember uh, seeing the Return of the King in theaters uh, opening weekend or actually opening night, and. My uh, brother got to do a really... People's big biggest complaint about Return of the King was supposedly too many endings. As soon as it fades to black, people didn't even wait for credits. They just start standing up. And so I literally <laughs> spoke up. I was like, guys, there's more. <laughs> and so everyone starts sitting down. And then it has a little bit more. Starts fading to black. They start getting up. 
There's, There's more. Still more. <laughs> Wait for the credits, people. Wait for it. Yeah. Wait for the it. credits will tell you when the movie is over. That is their job. Right? <laughs> yeah. That is the purpose of the credits. Yeah, and it's absent. You're going, you know, but I, there were some things they added in that were, you know, because I don't remember uh, in the book um, Aragorn saying, you bow to no man. Uh, yeah, that line wasn't in there, but the sentiment that Aragorn, there. Aragorn felt that without those four hobbits, they would not have succeeded in any way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And I didn't like... Um, and to me, that was one of the most stirring moments of the It was. Yeah. yeah. And not just the fact that he said that, but then the entire kingdom bowed to them, including right. the king. Yeah. yeah. I, I will say, I, didn't, I was not a fan of Theramir bringing uh, Frodo and Sam to wherever the hell they keep took them like didn't he take them all the way to freaking Minas Tirith no, no uh, to Osgiliath uh, okay. the ruined city but still instead of you know I I, the, I did not like that particular yeah if I remember right in the book it didn't get that far no no he no, just let go. he yeah. let them go yeah yeah. yeah there was the no falls. temptation whatsoever yeah yeah. Well, actually, there was a slight temptation, but it was but like... But Faramir proved to be stronger than Boromir in that scene. And part of it was also the memory of what happened to Boromir and yeah. finding out from the hobbits why yeah. it happened. It was the ring. It was like, okay. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. I also like that uh, even Frodo, who carried it the longest, you know, of the, of the people that were... who actually gave up the ring voluntarily, there was only two. Frodo and Sam. Yeah. Or not Bilbo and Sam. Even Frodo had to have it bitten off his hand. <laughs> and what was really funny was, especially Spoilers. in the first yeah, <laughs> yeah. In the, especially <laughs> in the first movie, he tries to hand the ring off to freaking everybody. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you want this? You want it? <laughs> you want it? I don't want the damn thing. But that, you know. Yeah. And I think, but I think the, the thing that this is also a tribute to Tolkien, the wound that he gets at uh, at uh, well, he got at two that continued to bother him. There, the one from Weathertop. Mm-hmm. Every oh, well, every year on the day, he would refeel it, mm-hmm. not to the same severity. Um, and then the sting from Shiloh would right. also continue to bug him the rest of his life. Yeah, but the, that well, wound until he went was... to the Undying Lands and got fixed up by you right. know. But that that wound probably... I think was a constant reminder to him of the burden that he yeah. bore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that's what helped him, you know. But it was, I think it was a, you know, it, yeah, Lord of the Rings did a bang-up job with, um, you know, with a lot of the stuff that, that it was supposed to do. Um, I think that's another uh, perfect storm situation where you have, like, the right people with the right yeah. time and the yeah. resources so to pull it off. They almost didn't have um, Viggo Morton. Mm-hmm. They had somebody else cast, and then after they started filming, realized this guy is way too young for what we're trying to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they cast Vigo. Vigo like, did a great job. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Oh, okay. Trivia thing. I and had such remember. better accent speaking, uh, speaking Quenya than Liv Tyler did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and was the perfect swordsman when they were teaching him the sword. Yeah. Um, the the scene with him and the orc. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, I was going to talk yeah. about this too. Yeah, where the orc <laughs> throws the knife, the actor miscalculated it was coming yeah, he right wasn't at supposed his... to throw it it was an ad-lib thing yeah he threw it and he meant to throw it short uh and then they were going to edit it and he was going to just tell him just edit it later 
but he misjudged the distance and actually threw it right at Vigo's face. So and it he, was a sharp knife. Yeah, yeah. So when he reflected it, that was actually Vigo going, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. So that was all Vigo being a badass. Yeah, yeah. That, was a, that was Vigo being a fucking badass. And when Aragorn fell into the river with the warg, Mm-hmm. Uh, Vigo almost drowned doing that. He broke his toe kicking that helmet. Kicking the helmet. Yeah. So he that was a very authentic reaction because he yeah. broke his toe. Yeah. 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 He kicks the helmet. That's him breaking his toe. It's like it's like yeah. Leo with the glass and Django. Yeah. Yeah. You know. It, that reminds me of one of the other th- changes that I actually liked in the movie was him fighting his destiny of becoming king. Because in the book, he yeah. left with Andoril. He yeah. left Rivendell with Anduril right at the beginning. In, yeah, in, he had already claimed, "I'm going to be king." Well, I love the the theme there of like that's what makes him such a worthy king is that he doesn't want yeah, the power. Because he doesn't he, want the. He's end. afraid that he will have the same flaw that Isildur had. Right. Right. Of course, that was conveniently handled by by Frodo and Sam. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but but yeah. regardless of the ring, it was just power in general. He was yeah. afraid that he would succumb. Right. To it. Exactly. The temptations are up, yeah. And one thing that they didn't have in the movie that I wish they had, and it would have probably added a little bit more to the movie if they had, as far as time-wise, and it was already long enough. Yeah. Um, but Sam eventually got to go to the Undying Lands also. He got to live out most of his life in the Shire, and then because he had the ring, even for a short time, he was still, in a way, tainted mm-hmm. to where yeah. he no longer fit being in Middle-earth for the rest of his life. And so... Uh, another ship was sent for him. Spencer's. So he got to join Frodo. <coughs> right. Hope yeah. the microphone picks that up. <laughs> <laughs> Having an all in the family moment. Yeah. Well, I couldn't wait. But all in the family is the first is the first TV show that actually had that had that sound effect. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of subtle changes. Some are really blatant. Like uh, one of the biggest complaints I've heard people from who read the books and saw the movies was the two towers, the elves showing up at Helm's Deep. Yeah. Which did not happen in the movie. The, in the movie, it was very much like 300. It was a very, very small group of humans against thousands of orcs. Yeah. Until the Rohirrim showed up. Rohirrim until, showed yeah, up. until... Until the Rohirrim showed up and just pulled a Kanai on the orcs, but, you know. Right. <laughs> and in the movie, um, Jackson wanted to convey the fact that the elves weren't just sitting by twiddling their thumbs. Right. They yeah. were doing stuff up in the north, but that would have taken away from the story, so instead he had them yeah. up at Helm's Deep. Yeah. And that was fine. I don't have any problems yeah, with that. that was, they I still got slaughtered. It's the, yeah. the same thing still yeah. happened. Oh right? no, instead of 300 humans, now it's 300 humans and another 150 elves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But then, yeah, the ride out, I mean, it's just like, Two Towers was so... It was, it was the Empire Strikes Back for the Lord of the Rings movie. Yeah. My favorite... <laughs> it was the dark... Yeah. I, I, I've, I've not only watched all of the... Uh, extended cuts of those. I've also watched all of the, uh, all of the the appendices, the appendices, yeah. and the behind the scenes. And one of my favorite things, I can't remember the actor's name, the guy who played Gimli, uh, John Reese Davies. Yeah, John Reese Davies. <laughs> he has this really funny scene uh, quote in in one of the interviews where he says, "So I saw these this team of three guys carrying up a crate, uh, struggling uh, struggling up a hill with a crate that was all of my armor and weapons and beard and boots and everything." And you know, then they had to go down and take and bring up another load, and they're you know, and they and they come up and they're winded and they've just been barely walking. He said, and then Jackson turns to me and says, "Okay, put all this on, go to the bottom of the hill, and then run up the top, run up to it." <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of going up mountains, Sean Bean apparently had some kind of accident, 
And so he refused to get back in a helicopter. So anytime that they were filming at like the top of a mountain, while everybody else is taking helicopters or something, he was either walking or taking something similar to a ski lift. Wow. In full gear, walking yeah. up the mountain. <laughs> that's, that's fucking badass. Yeah. I'm... And dedication. Yeah. And that's still well, one of the best deaths in any movie I've ever seen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was amazing. Uh, it was also not... one of his best deaths, which is saying Yeah, because yeah, there are yeah. plenty to choose from. <laughs> there are plenty to choose from. Yeah. Well, and... Um, Sean Bean dies and everything. The only one, the only time I've ever seen that scene done better, as far not that there's a lot of times it's been done, but uh, the Lego Lord of the Rings game. Nah. They had Lurks uh, pull back, and the first one was an arrow, and it hits him, and he reacts, and the next one is a broomstick. <laughs> it hits him with that, and then the last shot that does a man is a banana. <laughs> wow. Now, the, and I, I think. Fuck you, I'm getting cinematic. I'm not out of hit points yet. (laughs) You haven't read DM of the Rings, by the way. I have. Okay, now, we see something similar to that in a recent film. Um, You got me. I don't know. How recent are we talking? Arrows, big guy, slow death. No. I'm thinking Game of Thrones. Sean Bean dies in that one too. No, but Spoilers. not Sean, not Sean Bean. <laughs> uh, right, but there's a D'Onofrio. I'm not sure I've seen. Oh, oh. yeah, <laughs> Magnificent Seven. Oh, right, yeah, That's Toy. Too recent. Yeah, no. I didn't even consider it. Yeah, yeah. He takes. I actually, I think. Well, I, I thought it was over to you. Susan, he's getting Boromir. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We all assumed Boromir. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, it was great, but it's. Bormier. But it was, but it was a tribute. It wasn't, you know, it didn't do. It, it wasn't as. Yeah. Great it wasn't as, the same, but it was still. This is not the greatest death in the world. This is just a tribute. <laughs> <laughs> see, I was. See, the, the only other one I was thinking of was from uh, the latest season of Game of Thrones, which I don't watch. So. Also, spoilers. Spoilers. Yes, the the giant. I can't remember his name. Okay. Oh yeah. No, I mean no literal, literal giant. Literal giant. Oh. The last of his race. Um, yeah, I can't remember his name, but he like took spears, arrows. Oh, it was like one one. I think yeah. his name was yeah. Like he was opening a door. Someone threw a spear. Oh, that was yeah. That was epic. so he just pulled his hand down uh, rather than try to rip out the spear. Yeah. He was trying to hurry. In. <clears throat> right. Was this uh, at the siege of the wall? Uh, no, this is when the Battle of the Bastards. <coughs> yeah. Oh, okay, I haven't seen that far. Yeah. yeah. I've only seen up through the battle through the Battle of the Wall. But there's some pretty epic giant stuff there too. Yeah. 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 But uh, so yeah, I mean, Lord of the Rings for books, Hobbit, they add a lot of stuff in there, which I think added to the story. Yeah, some stuff that wasn't in the book, but still, I think needed to be told. And, and was like, in and was admittedly at least in ancillary published material. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like everything Gandalf's doing every time he took off because I remember reading The Hobbits like where the fuck is he going I feel like there's there's a lot more fat you could trim in The Hobbit compared to The Lord of the Rings there's a lot they could have taken out I think it could have been done as two movies also yeah. getting the chance to, sh- to show off Elrond and Saruman kicking ass oh my god at, that scene that was pretty freaking, epic um, The Bottle of the Five Armies no 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 when they were fighting the ring race yeah when they were fighting the ring race at Dolor See, I haven't seen it. Yeah, and that's the thing, too, is you don't really, like, in, in Lord of the Rings, Elrond just kind of walks around and is like, oh, hey, what's up? Welcome yeah. to yeah. You don't get to I see mean, him do his thing. The, he, does get, he does get the line of, I was there 10,000 years yeah. ago. Right? Yeah, and, and, and only Hugo Weaving could deliver that line to the point that I would believe it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, one thing is, part, part of this is continuity, but it's also to show the legacy of 
the characters in Lord of the Rings. Right. The sword that Elrond is using is the same one that Arwen is using in Lord of the Rings. Huh. It's yeah. a He passed it down to her when he basically hung up his armor and the stopped fighting. The more you know. <laughs> <laughs> and he also, when you see him fighting against Sauron in the prologue, He's using that same sword. That's how freaking old it is. Uh, what else are we looking at? Uh, do, do we have other things that we can mention? We've got about 20 minutes left. Uh, I, I've um, got a few rapid-fire things I can yeah? cover. Because um, we're, we're doing... Uh, we, I think we're kind of organically doing things by author. Because uh, we talked about Stephen King. We're talking about Tolkien. <clears throat> uh, Tom Clancy. He's had a crap oh load of books. Oh, my God, he has. And oh, a yeah. crap load of adaptations mm-hmm. as well. Um, yeah. Now I'm I'm a bit biased because I love Harrison Ford, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot. Uh, it's I think, rare I see one of his movies. Yeah, like. several yeah. of them were, were uh, pretty good. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, though. I well, you it's know. rare. <laughs> yeah, rare, not not unheard of. Um, Patriot. Here, here's a good example. Um, I, this actually kind of ties into the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings in the sense that Patriot Games is is a movie you can you can watch it and enjoy it for what it is and just go on with your life. Or you can read the book, which is much better, mm-hmm. and be like, oh, okay, um, <laughs> there's this whole other thing here. That is that is probably still, to this day, my favorite Tom Clancy book. It's really good. I've actually not read like any of Tom Clancy's books, which would make my grandfather turn over in his grave. <laughs> um, I think I, I read, uh, I read um, Red, October, Red October, and then I read um, I definitely forgot to read Red October and uh, Rainbow Six. Did they? Uh, they never made a movie out of that. No, just games. No, Rainbow yeah. Six. They made yeah. about seven Stacking billion games out of it, which are all pretty good. I, I need to read the book just to see how it relates because I'm curious because I played most of the games. Um, um, I, I've liked I liked all the Jack Ryan yeah. movies. Everything. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've liked all the Jack Ryan movies too. I think you, I was surprised, pleasantly surprised with Shadow Recruit. I actually enjoyed it. I have not seen. Yeah, it. I heard mixed things. I haven't got Jack around Ryan. to it yet. Okay, and along those lines, you've got the Bourne novels. Oh, yeah. I didn't even know those were books. Yeah, they're books. <laughs> they're all yeah. books. Oh, most definitely. Yes, I just they... watched Jason Bourne a few days ago. And the movies are really good. I was so pleased to see Damon back in it instead of Renner. Matt Damon. <laughs> yeah, well, Renner wasn't playing Bourne. I know, playing, but still, know, like I, can't see, I, can't see Bourne. I can't see a movie with Matt Damon without, think, without honestly Damon. just saying that out loud. <laughs> well, before we get on the Bourne rabbit hole, there are a couple other Clancy things I want to touch on. Clear and Present Danger, I think, that for me, that was a classic example of a movie where... That's not the Baldwin brother, right? No, that was Harrison Ford. Yeah, still Harrison. Yeah. Okay, which one am I thinking one that had, like... Was Red it? October. Oh, Alec, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Alec Baldwin, who did a good job. Wait, what was yes, the one you just said? Clear and Present Danger. Danger. How okay. dare you, um, sir? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a classic example for me of a movie where, as a kid, it was, like too slow and long for me to really appreciate and then i got a little older and i watched it again I'm like this is extremely good what was i thinking is that from clear present danger yes okay because i have been trying to find that scene <laughs> for a long time <laughs> when we're done remind me of tom clancy again because there's an interesting okay. star wars fan theory regarding oh yeah the Tom Clancy books. I, I, I like Willem Dafoe's supporting role in uh, Clear Present Danger as well. Yeah. He, was, he was a fun character. Dafoe's, even if the movie's not good, Dafoe's always Willem good. Willem Dafoe is never not good. good. Yeah. Yeah. Willem Dafoe's always... His yeah, pretty much. The love setting There's is... no... It's not, a, it, it, it's not William. It's Willem. Yeah. Willem, Willem. Dafoe, Dafoe's default setting is better than good. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty much. Uh, let's see what else. Oh, some of all fears. Man, that was a mediocre sleep. Uh, yeah, I like that was it. boring movie. But, but look at who they had playing. Uh, ben Affleck. Yeah, I mean, 
in a younger athlete. I think that mainly had before he before he was before his range started to. Well, my issue yeah. it wasn't so much the acting as it was the writing and directing for me. Yeah. I thought it was just kind of boring. And by the way, I thought it was a really stupid politically correct cop out to be like, oh, they're they're neo Nazis all of a sudden instead of Islamic terrorists. Because I mean, come on, <laughs> what's more realistic? We, right. We're not getting bombed by neo Nazis every five minutes. It's Islamic terrorism. Mm-hmm. But at the time. Uh, let's see, when did that come out? 2003-ish, I believe. It was fairly close to 9-11. Uh, and for some reason, they, they wanted to go the safe route. But, I mean, that's Hollywood in a nutshell. Yeah. Oh, I'm scared of risk. <laughs> I, I don't want to, you know. They are <laughs> very worried about pissing off people. Yeah. I, I think that was unnecessary that, to walk on eggshells. Like, the remake of Red Dawn was supposed to be the Chinese. Yeah. Were invading, and they changed it because China is one of our biggest... Uh, well, yeah, moneymaker yeah. Well, that that's movies. a more blatant financial thing yeah. because I get that with the international, you know, the way the international movie market works now with China and all that. Um, but again, it, it gets to like how I love China. Implausible it is with North Korea. I mean, it's like, oh yeah, North Korea. Yeah, that's a real credible threat. I mean, we would we could blink and wipe them from the face of the earth. I mean, come on, they're not going to be invading mainland USA. They're <laughs> come on, right? Well, come on. See, now. by the same token, some of all fears was written in ninety. 90- when, you know, Islamic terrorists were, you know, when, when people still made the difference, differentiation between Islamic terrorists, you know, like now we make the differentiation between Nazis and Germans, you know, uh-huh. over the past couple of decades, it's been more like, oh, you're Muslim, where's your AK-47? <laughs> yeah, which I think is, is a real disservice to, uh, to... And Middle Eastern people. It is filing is wrong, and it, it works it, for Israel quite well. <laughs> <laughs> but knowing several, a lot of veterans um, who are in Iraq, well, yeah, it's it isn't it's a, that they're Muslim. It's that they're over there. It's that they're tribes. Well, I, the analogy I like to use is when the United Kingdom had the IRA, and um, I'm sorry, but if you have like. White Catholics with crucifixes and stuff. Yeah, you're going to look at them a little closer than the other guys when they're the when they're blowing sh- shit up. And it's the same thing with you know Islamic terrorism. It's it's dumb to bury your head in the in the sand and worry uh, about PCness uh, instead of protecting people's lives. I don't disagree with you entirely, but I do think it's important to not immediately assume that e- that that everyone who fits into that that fits into that category is also out to get you because that can actually Cause, lead to and cause more radicalization. Well, I, I never said assume <laughs> all people of a particular background think or act a certain way. All I said was security profiling based on things like that actually makes a lot of sense. Hmm. Well, there's, also, there's, I'm just saying it's easy to go too far. There's a balance, yeah. There, there's a balance to be had. And I think that was what some of all fears was trying to avoid going straight to. Mm-hmm. Um, besides which, the, the original thing was to start a war between us and Russia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, regardless, I'm just saying it's hard to take it seriously when it's such a blatant, pandering, w- wimpy move, you know, mm-hmm. given the, the time that it came out, right. the movie, not, mm-hmm. not the book. Yeah. But anyway, uh, it was to forgettable. Get back, to get back to uh, adaptations, I really like The Wizard of Oz. Yeah, there was. Um, and I liked, um, based along those lines, um, the, uh, the prequel version that they did uh, here not too long ago. Uh, Tin Man? No, because that was that was post- to the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Oh, uh, Oz the Great and Powerful. Oz the Great and Powerful. Oh yeah, which had uh, 
what's his James name? Franco. James Franco. I like James Frag- Franco in a lot of things. That apparently got panned critically. Didn't yeah, it? Well, it did. But it, critics are idiots. Yeah, <laughs> critics tend to be. Idiots. They don't look at movies the way a moviegoer looks at movies. Oh yeah, yeah no, I they, agree. They're they often they look at movies for artistic merit, where moviegoers tend to look for how entertained am I. Right. Was this fun? Yeah. I thought it was fun. <laughs> yeah. Yay. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm somewhere in between as far as my philosophy of movie-going stuff. Everything doesn't have to be some amazing art statement. Exactly. But at I the see. same time, I appreciate the nuance that can be put into popular yeah. entertainment. It's like Critics will take something like the first time uh, Bullet Time was done in The Matrix. Right. They praised it. And then as soon as somebody else did it, oh, we've seen this already. Yeah. yeah. Like, so what? It's so cool. Right. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, hurt yeah. the movie. Yeah, if it's handled Bullet well, time isn't isn't played out. Yeah. after the Matrix. Yeah, no, it's no. all about how you do it. Yeah, right. But it's not. It's it's not the first time you've seen it. It's no longer completely original. Yeah, so easy. For it's them like, oh, it's so derivative. <laughs> yeah, so, so yeah. fuck you. It works, and they know what works. You know, it's a tool. It's a new tool. It's easy to pick apart when you're in your little ivy tower, not actually creating anything. Yeah, it's yeah. a new tool in the VFX toolbox. Mm-hmm. Right. You know. It exists to be used. And Don't it, piss you know, over people for you know, yeah. <laughs> actually using it. And you can always see, you always know when bullet time should be happening because yeah. it's got that <clears throat> you know, yeah. sound effect. It's got that ramp, it's got that ramp down. Well, yeah. you know what? The new version of that is the Inception stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the Inception womp. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which I think Doctor Strange had a bit of, you know, Inception-esque. Yeah, yeah, but it never had a womp. No womp, that is true. Actually, what it had was the mirror dimension, mirror dimension tinkle. Yeah. Oh, uh, (laughs) by the way, I know I said, I I know I uh, said uh, in the Doctor Strange review um, that if it does not win best visual effects, uh, I really want to see the movie that does. Right. Uh, it ha- it really actually has its uh, it, it actually does have its work made. It, it has it's it's got it's got a, re- a real hard uh, fight in it uh, from against Fantastic Beasts. Fantastic Beasts yeah. Beast was really re- because the beasts were amazing. They were fantastic. What am I yeah. saying? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, even in, 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 uh, I saw the the brief CGI of Ron Perlman's character. Mm-hmm. You know, and Ron still, Perlman. Yeah, Ron Perlman is in the voice. So you had a kid with a uh, with the uh, so, yeah. box full of uh, monsters. Box full of monsters. Oh, the, yeah, the goblin. Yeah, he plays yeah. a goblin with fingers that are bent backwards. Yeah, but, which um, you wouldn't have caught if you haven't seen the movie. But it's not really a spoiler. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, because that's the whole plot right there. <laughs> yeah. Little do you know, but his fingers being bent backwards is the is yeah yeah what's all about. Um, no, the hokey pokey is what it's all about. Um, <laughs> but. Um, Hmm. I'm trying to think of other. Well, that leads into Harry Potter, obviously. Harry yeah. Potter, yeah. Now, full disclosure, I've not read any of the books. I've read all the books. I've seen all the movies. I've just seen the movies. I read all the books. I even got to read uh, Deathly Hallows slightly before it came out. Now, I'm just kind of walking around the bookstore at the time. We got it a full week. I mainly wow. watched, to be honest with you, I just I mainly watched the movies just to see them because it is a major pop culture yeah. event. Yeah. The movies are aren't now. Aren't, movies are actually pretty darn good. I have, yeah, I, I thought they were I have, good. by extension, read the books because the audiobooks were playing all the time. Yeah. Uh, and having technically read the books and seen all the movies, I was disappointed that some stuff was left out. And the books changed. are better. Books are better. Books are always better, oh, but I still <laughs> love the movies. And a part of it is you got to start when they come out. If you go in now 
as a full-on adult and watch the first Harry Potter, it's not going to be as entertaining as when you watch it younger and watch them as they come out. Because mm-hmm. it evolves with you as you grow up. Yeah. I did not get that chance. Right. I, I really feel mad that I missed the chance to have the never-ending story grow up with me. Because I never saw this kid. I, yeah, um, it came out. Having really? seen it as an adult, which it is an adaptation, so this is not entirely... Um, this is not actually entirely uh, off topic. Off topic. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's kind of a really special movie in that uh, it views completely differently um, as an adult as opposed to as a oh, child. Oh yeah, it does. right. Um, yeah. It, it's because as a child you one. empathize with the child, and as an adult you empathize with the adults. Yeah, the first story movie, came out. the second and third, you don't really need. To well, no. Never <laughs> story came out. We don't talk about the dark times. <laughs> uh, we're not speaking of dark times. Uh, Never Ending Story came out my junior year in high school. Now, see, I grew up with E.T. Mm-hmm. God, I loved E.T. Oh, um, we're really running low on time. Um, another adaptation that is really good uh, movie and really, really good book, The Last Unicorn. Yes. Oh, yes. Um, oh, dear God, The Last Unicorn. By the way, I think we, we can totally have another episode of just more stuff. It's yeah. like part two of yeah. book-to-movie adaptations, because there's so many things we yeah. haven't even Book-to-movie adaptations to Electric, Electric Boogaloo. Boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> we, don't wanna, we don't need to go into detail about it, but one that I wanted to at least mention. Um, it's had two, technically three movies, if you want to count the miniseries, but Dune and Children of Dune. Ah, yes. Which oh, is getting yes. another adaptation. Of Spice Must Flow. Yes. I haven't read the book. I want to read the book. Um, I keep meaning to get around to reading the book. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the first movie for its time was good but long. Uh, the second movie was a lot better done but had a less lesser budget in comparison for yeah. the times. Because it was straight to sci-fi, I believe, and done in parts. Yeah. And then Children of Dune, I think, had the, as far as movies go, had the better Oh, you know, another thought occurs to me um, that could either be in just a, um, you know, two Electric Google episode or a theme of its own is all of these classic horror books that have become movies like Dracula and Frankenstein and oh, yeah. Army oh, and Wolfman. That, and so many I good will, examples I, I need to write that down. We should do that for next Halloween. That I realize that's a year yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but the ultimate tease... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> forward, forward to it like in a year. Episode sixty something. You know? Maybe the new mummy will be out by then. Yeah. yeah maybe. Okay. Neverending Story was a novel. Yeah. It was a German novel. Yeah. Like I said, it was based off of. It, it was an adaptation. I wasn't. Yeah, why you saying it's topical? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it was just it was German. Now it's now, as I understand it, I've not read the novel. Uh, the movie is pretty much only just the first half of the book. <laughs> yeah. Um. And, and I'm sorry, but Neville, Never Ending Story is false advertising. Yeah. They both end! True. <laughs> Just like Final Fantasy is. Well, I think yeah. the point of Never Ending Story is that each person who reads the book yeah, experiences is reading the story, so it literally never ends as long as people keep reading it. Yeah. yeah. But You're writing more things down. What are you writing down? And, oh, just the fodder oh. for horror stuff. Yeah. If we're, yeah. If we're done talking about um, any specific books to movies i have an idea how we can close this yeah pick one each person pick one 
book or book series that they'd want to see an adaptation. Okay, that's a good question. See an adaptation of. Oh, yeah, God, that's going to be fucking hard. Yeah, uh, not easy at all. Well, I, I got one just off the top of my head, um, and this kind of segues into my excitement for Rogue One, the X-Wing series. That yeah. could be really fun. Again, this is just in a pure entertainment perspective. Yeah. It's not like there are going to be deep artistic statements about X-Wings blowing up TIE Fighters, but uh, that was a gr- well, very well-written series that I read as a kid and I think holds up. And I think that could make for some really entertaining uh, movies since they're churning these out to melt yeah. the cash cow And it, and it can Wars. easily fit in the new canon. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Because there was nothing like, extraordinary in the storyline for it. Yeah, right. yeah, it didn't connect with the base movies so that you could have continuity issues. Like, it was just kind of its own thing, and it was really cool. Yeah. So, yeah, that would be the thing that comes to mind for me is the X-Wing series. You know, Ben? I would have to go back to one of... God, it's hard to go between two of them, uh, and they're fairly obscure. One is Gossamer Axe by Gail Bonino. It's a, uh, a heavy metal uh, fairy tale. Nice. Um, <laughs> But that actually I, informs really what I would like to see. So thank you. Uh, <laughs> I had forgotten about this this particular these particular books entirely, but they're really good. Uh, but I think if I had to go back to one of the books that I constantly reread, it would have to be the Coromandel series because it takes place in the late sixties, early seventies, but it's a portal fantasy, and I would love to see a good portal fantasy done as a as a or series. It, for me, it's not a book series I've read, uh, but I've played the games that they're based on that uh, are based on the same books. I would love to see either a series or a series of movies for The Witcher. That's gonna be really good. It's got the such Witch, a yeah. deep. <clears throat> it's got uh, a really deep lore bench to yeah. draw from, and the potential for the visuals too. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of interesting stuff. It there. could easily be the next uh, Lord of the Rings. By the way, that it would really that would uh, indirectly become a book to movie adaptation because those books that became video games yeah, that became, then become movies. Yeah. And for me, I've got two things as well. Um, and the first was the one that you just remind that Ben helped remind me of. I would love to see an adaptation of Holly Black's Tithe and Ironside, um, which are both modern. Uh, they're both urban fantasy fairy tales. Uh, like actual in fairies. Right. Um, like badass English fairies. Right. Like flay you for fun flary, fairies. <laughs> yes. Um, Not your Tinkerbell variety. Yeah, no. The, the, <laughs> the, the, ones that, the ones that you are supposed to be scared of. Right. Um, and the other one I really love to see, which probably actually has been adapted, but I'm not familiar, but I haven't seen it. Um, well, shit, now I can think of two more. Um <laughs> Although one I actually know is being adapted already. I'm really looking forward to the adaptation of Ready Player One. Mm. Um, But that that makes me really also want to see an adaptation of Neil Stevenson's Snow Crash. Which I've told you all about and and none of you have read. Um, But it envisioned uh, the internet far before the internet was ever a thing. Uh, so you're not the only before Al Gore invented it. Yeah, right. Right. Of course, I would also, uh, of course, you know, as you pointed out earlier in the in the, in the podcast, I also want to see my books turn into a series. Yeah, <laughs> I could I could see you know the, the book the book that I'm writing um, becoming a movie. Sure. See, I would want a series over a movie. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. I could see a series of movies. Yeah. It'd only be you know twelve. 
<laughs> Harry Potter has proven that you can do it as long as the series James is... Bond is yeah. talking about books yeah, but yeah. The movies <laughs> we didn't even touch on the James Bond yeah I guess uh, that's the ultimate yeah, canon. That's, the ultimate, that's the first yeah. just about that the Pink Panther yeah Bond Same. is on its I mean, save it for 26, Electric Google, Twenty-fifth, twenty-sixth movie. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think we could do an entire episode on Bond, and if we do that, I'd like to bring my friend Nathan down from. Uh, yeah, we from can Ohio. do a Bond episode, sure. Right. Because he's <clears throat> a huge Bond nut. Yeah. He once actually, uh, the the most recent, uh, he was my roommate before I uh, before I moved moved into my own place, um, and he uh, did a like two week long marathoning of all of the. Bond movies between work and every another thing, mm-hmm. and took and kept co- copious track of his kill slash sex count. Oh, that's <laughs> fascinating. Uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, that'll be. I, I am dying to know See, the first, how the tallies. The first half of that, I don't, I don't care about keeping track of his kills and whatever, but I would love to do a Bond marathon. Yeah, I want to get the full set of the movies on Blu-ray. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, I. Th- think yeah we'll have to table some of this discussion for a later time um next week uh is actually going to be an off week uh for the group um i've got a thing so we can't record in regular recording days so instead next week you're going to get my top 10 favorite movies um i know that's somewhat egotistical of me but mostly it's because i'm the one who owns the microphone and um (laughs) And can more easily record these, although I'd love to get everyone else's top tens at some at other points as well. But uh, I can record that sometime during the week and have it ready. So uh, thank you all, and um, I hope you all had a happy Thanksgiving because this is coming out after the after Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. um, and have a happy Yule, uh, Christmas, uh, Solstice, <laughs> whatever the heck you celebrate. Catch all Christmas Christmas for Kwame Yanzu, Yanzu, uh, <laughs> Yeah. 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 <laughs> Festivus. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and I want to ask this while we're still recording. Are we going to do an episode about the holiday special? I we would still like to do we, we a to do Star Wars holiday special episode. Because it's coming up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll, yeah. I have it. <laughs> then so, I think uh, we I, then it. I think we must. Yes. Now we're now you sign are me part, up. Now you are part of Weird Al's white and nerdy video. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of what he says in that song is yeah. 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 All right. Well, everybody, thank you very much for listening. This has been Neil, Michael, the one true Ben, and Wookie, and we will all see you. Except you will not. Except we won't because it's an auditory medium, etc. <laughs> on next week's Geek Anthology. This podcast is a production of Working Theory Productions. It was brought to you by the letter I and the number 57. Ending theme is March of the Mind by Kevin McLeod. If you enjoyed this podcast, or know someone who would, please consider sharing it on your social media, sending us an email, or leaving us a comment. We read all of them. If you really enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash workingtheory. A final thought. Is it solipsistic in here? Or is it just me?